from St. Luke's Gospel, Simeon said, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace. In the name of the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What on earth am I here for? Those are the opening words of Rick Warren's famous book, The Purpose Driven Life. What on earth am I here for? Man, that is a loaded question. Because to ask that question, if you just stop and think about it for a minute, what on earth am I here for? To ask that question assumes a couple of things. It assumes that, that your life matters, right? It assumes that there is a plan for your life laid out by someone or something. And it also implies that that someone or something wants to actually tell you what those plans are. What on earth am I here for? Why would you ask the question if you didn't expect an answer or think there was one? See, here's the thing I want you to think about as I move on through this. I'm not sure Rick Warren meant this, but I think this is actually evidence, one evidence for the existence of God. That to ask the question, what on earth am I here for? A question that every human being asks at some point in their life. That question actually proves that God exists. Why? Because it proves that you believe that, you, that God created you, that he has a plan for you, and that he can and will tell you what that plan is. Yeah, there are people that claim to be atheists. Um, people claim it, and usually it's because, in my experience, one of two reasons. Either they have an axe to grind because of some perceived injustice in the church, or real injustice in the church, for that matter. I grant that. But, you know, nobody actually lives that way. Nobody actually lives like an atheist. Even atheists don't live like atheists. Nobody I've ever met actually believes that they are nothing more than evolved slime. I know people that are evolved slime. I'm just kidding. But nobody actually thinks in their being that they're nothing more than a great big cosmic accident. Nobody believes that. But yet, atheists have to assume that is a true statement. So here's what I want to show you today. This is a it's a cool, a cool question. Here it is. What on earth am I here for? And, and the reason it's a biggie, because the answer to that question will determine what you strive for, right? It will determine what you value. It will determine how you spend your time, talent, and treasure. And actually, the answer to that question, what on earth am I here for, what are you here for, actually determines whether you are a success or a failure. So I want to look at this question, what on earth am I here for, not with Rick Warren, <laughs> but with Simeon, this Jewish guy, this Jewish old man in the, who comes into the temple and sees the Messiah. And I want to look at three, three things with Simeon today as kind of a case study on asking the question, what on earth am I here for? Three things I want to look at today. I want to look at, the, to know, to ask that question and get an answer requires three things. Requires a listening heart. It requires a declaration of glory, and it requires, what am I here for, to ask the question? So three things I want to look at. The necessity of a learn. If you want to know what on earth you're here for, Simeon is the example of how you do it. You listen, you give glory, and you do it. You ready? Simeon, big fan of Rick Warren, in case you didn't know that. So let me just give you a little bit of background. If you don't know this, uh, where we are in, in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 and following is 
is the following. When you were a Jewish boy, a couple things happened. You were born, eight days later, you're circumcised, right? That is the January the 1st, the Feast of the Circumcision. Well, now they call it the Feast of the Holy Name, but historically it was called the Feast of the Circumcision. And then 40 days later, you have something called the Purification, where the woman went into the temple to be purified from the pregnancy. And we don't have to get into the details, but that's what they're doing. Mary, Joseph, take the boy into the temple for this purification, this purification ritual. And the, the, interest, the cool thing is they, they walk in. They don't know who Simeon is, right? Simeon doesn't know who they are. They walk into the temple, and there's a man named Simeon who happens to also be there. Now, that's where we find ourselves today. They bring the boy in. They go to see the rabbi or whatever. And the action is interrupted by this old man named Simeon. Now, interestingly, we don't know anything about Simeon. He, he only appears right here in this little text. We know he's old because he's been doing this. He's been waiting for the Messiah for a long, long time. And we know a couple of things about him which are actually key to the whole text. Luke tells us that Simeon is devout. He is devout. He is righteous. And the Holy Spirit is with him. You see, God told Simeon was devout, he was righteous, and God told him that the Holy Spirit, that, that, that the Holy Spirit told him that he would not die before the birth of the Messiah. Now, it doesn't sound like a big deal to you and me, but you see, the Messiah was the person that the entire Jewish nation based their identity on. Every, everything about being a Jew stood or fell on this idea as the Messiah coming to save you. So here's the question. If you're Simeon, what on earth are you here for? The answer to the question, if you're Simeon, is to wait for the Messiah. That's the first thing I want to show you here about Simeon. To answer the question, what on earth am I here for? You've got to be like Simeon. You've got to be a person who listens to God, who is devout, and a person who is righteous. What does it mean to be righteous? When I hear the word righteous, here's what I hear. I hear uh, bad person. I, I hear righteous, it's just, it's just my own baggage, I guess, from my early days in the church, but I hear, I hear righteous as that person's bad, that person's wrong, 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 right? Kind of like, um, I don't know, some character on Saturday Night Live or something, right? Church lady. But that's actually not what the word righteous means. When Scripture says that Simeon was righteous, what it means is that Simeon knew the right thing, and he did it. Being righteous just means that you know the right thing and you do it. If you want to know God's plan for your life, you have to listen to what God says, and then you have to do it. And the reason it's that, it's that simple is because God is not coy, and God is not mysterious. God in his nature is mysterious, but God is actually incredibly clear. God is a God of clarity. He is consistent about what he expects from you and me. He's consistent about what he, for all of us, the way we are to act. The real, the problem is not that we don't have the information to follow God's call. The problem is we just don't want to do it. I'll give you an example, which is salient for today. There's lots of things I could talk about, but we are wrapping up stewardship season today. For the past seven years that I've been here, I have preached tithing, giving 10% of your income to the work of the church. It's not my rule. It's God's rule. If you don't like it, take it up with the big guy. All I'm telling you is that is what Scripture says to do, to tithe. And I will tell you, you all know that. You've heard me say it. And a lot of people just don't. To, do, to be righteous means to know the right thing, 
and to do it. And the problem is, if you're like me, and you are, the problem is we just refuse to listen and do. Let me give you an example. I was working out the other day, and I came across a story, a, a, a little mini-series on Netflix. What did we do before Netflix, right? But uh, on Netflix, about a guy named Aaron Hernandez. You may not know who he is. Aaron Hernandez was a football player, played for the New England Patriots. And it's actually a, it's both a, a great story. It's almost like a Shakespearean play, you know? It's a rags-to-riches story. Aaron Hernandez grew up in poverty. He was a excellent football player. Rags-to-riches landed a 40 million $40 million deal with the New England Patriots. Be nice if he came to church here and tithed. But he landed, a, he landed a $40 million deal with the Patriots. He had the world by the tail. Everything he wanted in life. Played football. People loved the guy. He made huge money. He had a, a, a girlfriend and a kid. And he lost it all. You know why? Because he was convicted, rightly, of murdering his friend, Odin Lloyd. And the fascinating thing to me, this was watched this two days ago, I was watching this one little nugget, and one of the people they were interviewed said, you know, the tragedy is that Aaron Hernandez had everything he'd wanted. He had a house, he had respect, he played football, which he loved, he had all this money, these fancy cars, he had everything he could possibly want, and yet, he was miserable. He was never happy, the man said, or to use from today, he was not at peace. And I will submit to you this morning that Aaron Hernandez did not have peace because Aaron Hernandez did not listen to God. And I can prove it. Aaron Hernandez murdered his best friend, two shots in the back of the head, bap, bap, with a nine millimeter. Guess what? He wasn't listening to God. The only way that your mission, the only way that you are going to know what on earth you are here for, friends, is you've got to listen to God and do it. Listen to God and do what he says. Simeon knows that he is here to witness the coming of the Messiah because God had told him that years and years and years ago. And yet, Simeon loved God, he was devout, and he listened to God, and he believed him. Now, the interesting thing is it took God a long time, right? I mean, anybody here ever prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing? Maybe it's just me, but I, said that, I bet a lot of you have prayed for things and you get a dial tone, right? You get no seeming response from the Lord. That's where Simeon was, he, but he kept at it. He listened and he obeyed. Simeon loved God and he listened to him. And imagine this, Mary and Joseph walk into the temple. He sees this child. The Holy Spirit told him this would happen. He sees this child and everything just comes into view. He sees this 40-day-old infant. His entire life's mission is fulfilled. And he looks up this kid, and he says the following. Listen to this. Lord, the word's master there, you are letting, he sees this 40-year-old gurgling little baby, and he picks him up. He says, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Let me explain to you what that means, because it's wickedly profound. He says, you are letting your servant depart in peace. The idea there to depart is a Jewish idiom, which means to die. And it means a person whose life mission has been accomplished, a person who, who sees the end result of their life, that ran the race, who kept the faith, and now, Simeon says, Lord, you are letting me depart 
and peace according to your word. According to your word is another way of saying, you told me you were going to do it, and you did it. See, it says, Lord, you told me you were going to do this. You told me you were going to keep your word, and now you are letting me depart in peace. And the, the crazy thing is he's not departing in anger. See, he's not departing in resentment or past mistakes or old hang-ups or bitterness from the way things used to be in church, you know? He says, you know, you did what you promised. You did what you told me you were going to do. You told me that I would see the Messiah. I trusted you. Now my mission has been fulfilled, and now I can depart in peace. That word peace is a Greek word. It's an important one. Irenate. It means completion, fulfillment. It means to have a life well lived and to go, man, that was a tough run, but it was a lot of fun. It means, you know, life is, somebody once said, I wish I could figure out who said this. Someone said that life is not coasting through at comfort in a, in a luxury car, enjoying and, and elaborate vacations. No, man, the life of the Christian is sliding into home plate, bam, battered and bruised, covered with mud, bloodied, and going, man, that was a hell of a run. I trusted you, Lord, and you delivered me. St. Paul says this a little different way. He says, I have fought the good fight. At the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Anybody here ever seen the movie City Slickers? Ever seen it? 1991, Billy Crystal and uh, Jack Palance are in the movie. It's a story about a bunch of guys, 40-year-old guys in the middle of their life, you know, midlife crisis, whatever you want to call it. And they go out to, to uh, out west, you know, to, on a dude ranch for a week or whatever. And they're riding around trying to find themselves, right? And, uh, and so this guy, Jack Palance, who's this grizzled old cowboy, takes him out on horseback out into the desert. And the character, played by Billy Crystal, he's there and he's lamenting the fact that even though he's got all this money and power and prestige and a great big job, his marriage is falling apart, his life is a mess, everything is a shambles, kind of like Aaron Hernandez. He's got it all and he's miserable. And Jack Palance is riding along, listening to Billy Crystal complain about all this. And Jack Palance says, let me read it here, he says, you guys all come out here about the same age, same problems. You spend 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope, and then you think two weeks here will untie them for you. Palance says, it's all about this. And Billy Crystal says, your finger? <laughs> says, no, 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 no. It's all about this one thing. Just one thing. He says, stick to the one thing, and everything else will fall into line. Friends, Simeon's one thing, and I submit to yours too, is to wait for Jesus. Simeon's one thing was to wait for Jesus, and so is yours. Here's the question, and it's not a rhetorical one. Is your one thing Jesus? Because if it is, everything else falls into line. Because you see, when you start with Jesus Christ, who is your God and your creator, the one who made you and has a plan for you, everything else falls into line. Everything else clicks. When Jesus is your one thing, you're a better mom or dad. You're a better retiree who donates their time, talent, and treasure to serve others. When Jesus is your one thing, you're a better priest. When Jesus is your one thing, life clicks. That's my first point. If you want to know God's plan for your life, he's got to be your one thing, man. You must listen to him, 
and do what he says. And my second point then is, this is actually really cool. Simeon listens to him and does what he says, and he sees God's glory. If you notice here, Simeon, and the scripture is very clear, speaking of the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Simeon says that Jesus Christ, this little baby, this gurgling little diaper-ridden kid, is the glory of Israel. What in the world does that mean? This is cool. That word glory is the word doxa. It's a Greek word. And what does glory mean? Well, I mean, nobody here ever talks about something being glorious. But, but in, what this word means here, to give glory to something, is to recognize that this thing you're looking at reflects something bigger. I'll give you an example. Say, it sounds heady, it's very clear-cut and easy. Say you walk, you see a Rembrandt, a painting by Rembrandt, right? And you look at that painting and you go, man, that Rembrandt can paint. Or you hear Anthony Barron sing and you go, man, that Anthony Barron can sing. That gives glory to the, the thing which it points to. What Simeon is saying is Jesus Christ is the glory, not of God, but of Israel. What does that mean? Well, what was Israel supposed to do? Israel was supposed to reveal God perfectly. Israel was supposed to keep the law perfectly. And now Simeon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, here he is, the fulfillment, the glory, the perfection of Israel. The one sinless man, the perfect son of God, a little baby, came on earth to do what no Jew and no person could possibly do, keep the law and to fulfill it in our place. To keep the law where everybody else had failed. In other words, in Simeon's little declaration of doxa, the glory of Israel, that he will pay for the sins of all mankind. With these simple words, we see actually the first gospel sermon ever preached. That Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, this baby, offers his life in my place and in yours. That Jesus Christ is both the glory of Israel and the Savior of the Gentiles. The Savior of the world has finally arrived. I mean, imagine, imagine how Simeon must have felt, man. What on earth am I here for? I'm here for this. Simeon was here to see God come to earth to save you and me. So here's the biggie. With all that to be said, why on earth are you here? It's not a rhetorical question. Why on earth are you here? Well, you know, Jesus actually makes an astounding claim about you as followers of his. He says that you and I are his body. He says that you and I are the means by which he is going to save other people from hell. He says that you and I are the ones who are going to solve the problem. It's a great story. My, my former bishop, Bishop Council in New Jersey, may he rest in peace, Bishop Council told a great story once when he came to visit me in Red Bank. He said, here's a story about St. Michael the Archangel. And he goes up, he's in heaven, and he goes to see God. And he knocks on the door. The Lord says, yes, Michael? Because, you know, God always knows who it is. <laughs> he's God. Yes, Michael? He says, Lord, we got a problem. All right, what is it now? Michael says, you're not going to like this. All right, Michael, let me have it straight. He says, uh, he says, Lord, it's the church. God says, all right, what do you mean? He goes, you know, they're faithless. They don't attend. They don't support their parish. They don't really take this very seriously. They don't take themselves seriously as Christians. Lord, I think we need to start over. I think it's time for plan B. I think it's time for plan B. And the Lord listens to Michael the archangel says, Michael, Michael, I hear you, but Michael, there is no plan B. 
See, our mission, as varied as the people in this room, the specifics all differ, but the mission is exactly the same for every one of us. Our mission is to be his hands, his feet, his eyes, Jesus' love, his compassion, his hope, his glory. You are his glory, Scripture says. You are to be the ones who are to bring Jesus to the people in your life. You may be the only Jesus that somebody else ever meets. A well-lived life, friends, is not about self-discovery and pleasure. A well-lived life is about, like I said, sliding into home plate, bloody and bruised, covered in dirt, and going, whew, that was quite a ride. And the Lord saying, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you're here for. Friends, we are here for no other reason than to testify to the power of Jesus Christ to change lives for good, starting with our own. So let me challenge you this morning. With Simeon as your example, let Jesus be your one thing. Let it all fall into place. Let Jesus be your one thing and do what he says. Be salt and light in a world that is desperately searching for the peace that you have. And you show them the peace that only Jesus can give because Jesus has given it to you. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Simeon, this no-name man who wanders into the temple and reveals the identity of your son, who shows us the power and peace of a life well-lived, who listens and does what you tell him. Give us, to furl, give us the courage to follow where you lead. Give us peace about what comes from doing what we are here to do, to bring Jesus to a fallen and broken world. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.